Welcome to episode 307 of Live Happy Now. We spend a lot of time in today's world celebrating youthfulness and anti-aging, but what if instead we learned how to celebrate the gift of growing older? I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and today we're talking with Stephanie Rathluck, author of A Delightful Little Book on Aging and the forthcoming Creatrix Rising, Unlocking the Power of Midlife Women. She's here to help us see aging in a whole new light and shares how midlife provides us with a new opportunity to explore our creativity and reimagine our future. Stephanie, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thanks for having me. I'm honored that you are spending today with me because this is a super special day for you. It is a super special day for me. I turned 69 years old today. We're recording this on April 1st. I'm an April Fool's baby. <laughs> what a great day to have a birthday. Yeah, it, nobody forgets. Nobody forgets <laughs> your birthday when you're born on April Fool's Day. That's terrific. And yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you for many reasons, but your energy toward aging and how we can do this so well really excites me. It's, it's absolutely infectious. And I wanted to find out First of all, what made you start exploring the upside and the benefits of, of growing older? I was growing older. <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, it was that simple. You know, I was writing a regular column for a website called 60 and Me. Mm -hmm. And I started getting feedback from women my age who were not going gently into that good night. <laughs> and they had a lot to say about the word retirement, you know, how unfitting the word retirement is. And the other thing that I noticed was that women still put a lot of worth, self-worth on physical appearance. And as we age, we change. So how do you navigate that? I think that there is a kind of grief that comes with aging. You lose a certain amount of physical prowess. You know, it's not going to be the same. Your heart may feel 30 and like you can, you know, run the jungle gym, but your body doesn't. Right. So I just became interested in the topic and started writing about it. And I found that it really is a lot broader than I thought. And it's really a woman's issue in many, many ways. Yeah. And you've already written one book about it. And you have another one that's coming out, I think, in the fall. Is that correct? Yes. Well, August. August. Okay. Kind of like the edge in of between fall. Yeah. <laughs> almost fall. You are finding angles to look at it. I think that is really beneficial for women of all ages, because I think it's also a roadmap that even before we hit that point, we need to start understanding what we're going into. Right. I think we need to start embracing it really at middle age. There's menopause is the great spiritual bridge. We hold it as a passage that's purely physical, but it's not a purely physical passage. It's an initiation, or at least it can be held as an initiation into the part of your life that is beyond the motherhood years. And what's beyond the motherhood years is really the question. And women have not had the most positive archetypes to work with in our lifetimes. In the 30s, there was a poet and playwright named Robert Graves, and he wrote a book called The White Goddess. And he has postulated that there was a a maiden, a mother, and a crone phase. And that that phase, that, that was his muse, the maiden mother crone. But crone is a word that most women bristle at. Yeah. And I understand that some feminists have tried to reclaim that word, but I do think that there are certain words that do not warrant reclaiming. The word crone entered our lexicon in the 1300s, and it literally means disagreeable old woman. 
Yeah, nobody so, wants that title. <laughs> nobody wants that title. So this new book is called Creatrix Rising, Unlocking the Power of Midlife Women. And Creatrix is one of the three Greek fates. There was the spinner, the weaver, and the cutter. And the creatrix was the weaver. But creatrix literally means a woman who makes things. And if you look around our culture right now, what do you see? You see women more and more standing in the light of their truth, and they are making things, whether it's leadership, gardens, art, new businesses, remaking themselves. So I put forth in a rather bold way that we substitute the name Creatrix instead of Crone. What a gift. That's such an amazing repositioning because just the two words saying I'm a Creatrix versus I'm a Crone. Oh my gosh, how empowering is that? It's totally empowering and words matter. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, this is such an interesting topic because we all say we want to live long, happy lives, but no one wants to get old. <laughs> so what is it about aging that frightens us so much? Well, I think that, you know, there's, of course, the mortality piece that your time is running out at 69 years old. The life that I have left to live is far less than the life I've already lived. So there's that. And then there's the cultural piece of growing old. We fear getting sick, becoming infirmed. And the truth is that this is probably one of the best times in history to grow old because there are medications and there are things that we can do. We know more about health these days than ever before. So there are things that we can do to mitigate some of the aging factors. But I think that it's mostly the mortality, the idea that one would be sick, that the, the idea that one might be alone. And so those are very real issues and ones that deserve contemplation. And do you see that changing? Because I think my mom, at the end of her life, we ended up, we had to put her in a home and we were there. My sister happened to work at that nursing home. So she was much less alone than a lot of the people there. But what I saw going in each time was heartbreaking. Do you think now we're in a generation of women that are saying that's, that's not how we're leaving this life? I think that we're at the beginning of something. It's, you know, it's a big ask for a change because it needs to be a societal change, not just the change of, of older women. The society needs to accept that elders have something to offer, that there is a reason that nature keeps us alive past midlife. There's a reason that I'm alive today. Why is that? And that's a question worthy of contemplation. Carl Jung explored this a lot, the idea of living to an old age. What is it? And these are the contemplative years. These are the reflective years. And the years when you can really embrace the joie de vie, the joy of life, because you're not burdened by some of the things that you were in your younger years. For instance, I don't care that much about what other people think of me now, <laughs> as I did when I was in my 30s. And it oh, was yeah. so important. It's like, now I know who I am. I know what my truth is. And I also know that we don't stop growing psychologically or spiritually until the day we die. So holding on to that, I think, gives a little bit of wind at one's back. Yeah. And, and you really talk about aging well, but people have a different idea of what that actually means. So when we look at aging well, what do you consider that to be? Well, I think it's 
you know, got several layers to it. The first one I believe is attitude. There are certain things in life that happen that we just don't have any control over. You might lose your husband early on, or you might lose your siblings and and feel alone in the world. So your attitude is really everything. It's like, how do you work with yourself to live life fully with purpose and with joy? And then there's the physical aspect. I think that movement is, it's the great gift in our life. I think that walking is the great exercise at this phase of life. My husband and I get out and walk four miles every day. We still kayak. We, we do whatever we can. We dance in our living room, which is really kind that. of funny looking, but we dance in, in our living room and just the motion of being alive. You know, life is not stagnant. And so it does everything that needs to be done to the endorphins to keep that happy juice flowing if you're moving. And what I notice is I sometimes wake up with aching knees, you know, that little genetic snip of arthritis mm-hmm. is kicked in. But once I'm up and walking, it's ameliorated. So the key is to like, you know, push through a little bit to a point where you you kind of tone down that inflammation through the process of walking and getting the blood flowing. And, and then, of course, what that does to one psychologically and spiritually, too, just to be out in the world and moving. Or in your living room and moving to old Motown. Old Motown is the best music to dance to. <laughs> yeah, music is so important too. That I mean, that plays such a huge role in it because music can really shift your mood and elevate how you feel and connect you with great memories from the past. So right. combine that with dance and bam. Yep. I'm glad that you brought up the idea of a mindset because one of the things that I hear a lot is I feel like a lot of my friends feel like they're in a decline. So instead of embracing it, as you're talking about and looking at the opportunity and the freedom that this time brings, I hear things about, you know, at our age, we have to be careful or things like this. I hear that slip in a lot. How do we change that mindset in ourselves and share that with our friends? I think the mindset comes from reflection. And this is a time of life to reflect and to contemplate life. You know, when you're busy raising kids and and dealing with a mortgage and a career, life is not as reflective. But as you get older, one of the ways that you can develop a good attitude is to reflect upon life and to reflect upon the good of life and the good that's still there. I was on my porch one morning. I like to sit out when the weather's warm and drink my tea in the morning looking over my backyard. And I watched these butterflies for a while. And I had this sense of being visited by the God of old women and butterflies. And something about that line just kind of lit me up that there was beauty and there was purpose in just sitting on my back porch and watching these butterflies. And what a luxury it is to have that kind of time When I have thoughts like that, it's good to have a few girlfriends or guy friends that you can share your observations, your realizations, your insights with. You feed and nourish each other's soul in that way. The other thing that I think heightens good attitude is how we interact with other people in our world. I have friends of all ages, and I have learned that when I'm out in the world, Young people especially benefit so much from a kind word or a compliment. 
just a little thing like that, the way that we compliment other people, the way that we give encouragement to other people in the world, it feeds them, but it also feeds our own heart. Right. And it's so easy to give. Yeah. And it really, it means something, especially now, especially right now is a time when I think we have kind of this reawakening going on with all we've been through with a pandemic and we're starting to come out a little bit and people feel very vulnerable and we need to be aware of that. And we do, as you mentioned, we have this gift of kindness that we can give to someone else. Right. And I'll tell you, sharing kindness and a smile with someone, they're never going to guess your age. As you look at aging, you talk about something called the surge and this is fantastic. And I wondered if you could explain what that is. Well, I think the surge it happens kind of at the onset of menopause and then through menopause. There's women create, we make babies. But now that you're not at an age and stage in life where you make babies, that creative juice is still there. And part of the emotional aspect of menopause, which I know can be defined with hormones and, you know, we can biologically define it, but let's define it psychologically and spiritually. A lot of what goes on in menopause with the emotional aspect of longing, of weepiness, of vulnerability, of anger, it's all an invitation to harness that kind of energy. All those emotions have an energy to them and to do something with that energy And once you do that, there is this great surge that pushes us forward. And you see it in people like I watched Stacey Abrams during the election. And, you know, this was a woman who really had her sights set on the vice presidency. And suddenly it wasn't in her purview anymore. That wasn't going to be hers. But she didn't miss a beat. She rolled up her sleeves and she goes, "Okay, then this is what I'm going to do. And she worked it. She worked her leadership role. She claimed it. And I was so impressed with that. And that's an example of surge. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was an example of surge, like constantly, constantly (laughs) reawakening, constantly reinventing herself and constantly pushing through to the very, very end. She's a great example. Meryl Streep is a great example of that surge. All around us are creatresses, women who have embraced that creatrix archetype are defining what this surge is, that are embracing this surge. And it's showing up in lots and lots of places in our culture, in business, women CEOs, in in art, in politics, everywhere. Why does it take until that time for this surge to occur? Like you talk about it, it happens at age or after age 50. Why then? Well, I think just because there's other things going on, you know, your 20s, every decade has its own lessons. You know, in your 20s, you're still separating out from your family. You're trying to figure out who you are, what you want to do in life. In your 30s, you get a little more responsible. Maybe you take on a marriage and a mortgage. You have kids. You know, the focus goes to those things. In your 40s, maybe your career is beginning to peak and you think about, do I want to keep doing this? Do I want to do something else? 40s is a time when a lot of people think that they just really have it all figured out. And, you know, I say that with a smile on my face because I've been there. You know, it's like, oh, I know, how the, I know how the game is played. I've got this wired, you know, and I'm at the top of the hierarchy. And then in your 50s, things begin to settle a little bit. And then boom, here comes menopause. So 
That's why this surge happens later. You don't have the kids. You're not trying to figure out who you are. You're not trying to just handle a marriage and a mortgage and and children and all of those things. It's like, it's just the phase of life we're in. Just as this happens after menopause, I mean, I, I look forward now and just like, what will 70 and 80 bring? What I will love that. that? What will that surge be like? That will be something different than what this is from menopause until maybe 70. So and how does how does that kind of awareness change that journey? Because to approach it with this excitement instead of which I've heard outright dread from some people, <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like a new wonderful gift that I get to open. Well, I think that you just have to work on the attitude to see life for the gift that it is. You have lived this long. You have loved this much. And look at what it's brought into your life. The heart is textured not just by the love and good stuff in the world. The heart is textured by the rough periods, the suffering, the pain that we all go through. This is the stuff of the human condition. It's not that we get it wired and we figure it out and it's it's one way. So as I've gotten older, what's happened is I've been able to kind of regather some of those pieces that I thought were broken by hard times and pull them close to me again and say, no, this is really what the life journey is. You get all of this, not just one part of it, but all of this. You get the grief and you get the glory. I'm so glad that you brought that up because this is also a time when, as you alluded to earlier, we lose people. In that sense, we see that part of the journey then is is going to change for you. Yes. So how, when that happens, when that occurs and we have that kind of loss, how then do we collect ourselves and continue this journey, which is going to now be very different than what we expected? Well, I think the first thing we do is there is a giving of oneself to the grief. There is an honoring of what we've lost through the process of tears and heartache. And then there is the gathering back of memory that makes one smile. Grief and love are the two great transformative forces in life. So if we can keep in mind that grief is but a transformative force that pushes us forward and that whoever it is that we've lost would want us to move forward. Another way of saying that is to be able to move on at a certain point when it's appropriate. You can't move on too quickly or grief will dog you. Mm -hmm. And yet you can't ignore grief because again, it will dog you. So it's finding this balance with the grief to recognize the force that it is, to give oneself to it for a time, to see it as a passage and an initiation and a transformative force. And transformation being the key word, because if the arc begins with grief and rises up, then where it ends is in transformation. Losing a husband, losing a child, losing a sibling or friend, those things inform the rest of our lives, not necessarily in grief, but they inform the rest of our lives. I was very surprised when my mother died that even though she died, our relationship didn't end. Mm -hmm. And it was a big awakening for me that I still had these conversations with her in my head that sometimes something will happen in my life. And I think, oh, man, I wish my mom was here to see that. And there's a sweetness to it 
that I still think of her in that way. She's still informing my life in many ways. And, and I write about her in, in my book, Creatrix Rising, a bit. I write about the women in my life that have paved a way and paid a price and continue to inform. I mean, they're all part of my DNA, right? Yeah. So as we have to start realizing that we're more than our age, we're more than our weight, and we're more than our looks, which can be hard in like the TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest right. world. So how do we shift our mindset and how do we come to embrace who we're becoming instead of basically grieving who we were? I think we have to be bold and brave. I've started to do some little videos on Instagram recently, just like Nora Ephron's book, the title of which was I Hate My Neck. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> that one. You know, it took some, it took a little risk, you know, to put out these videos, no makeup first thing in the morning. And it's like, oh yeah, the, the neck is definitely 69 years old. <laughs> but what I notice is that no one has commented yet, maybe after this show, they will. No one will be like, oh, I hadn't noticed that until I you noticed your neck. It. But no one has commented yet. They comment on the message. And too often we think that we are all this physical body. And really, it's like who we are in the world is so much more than that. You know, we are the light that we shine. We are the attitude that we put out. The grace of being alive is that, you know, all the stuff that we're worried about, my neck or <laughs> the, the triceps that won't get tight anymore. I mean, that's, that's just my stuff. That's just me working out my stuff. But people don't relate to me, I don't think, as a body. They relate to me as Stephanie. Stephanie, we have a lot to learn from you. I feel like we're going to talk again. I hope so. <laughs> but, but again, thank you so much for spending your birthday with me, sharing your wisdom with us, and, and for writing these books. I really look forward to, to reading the new one. Thank you. That was Stephanie Raffalak, author of A Delightful Little Book on Aging and the forthcoming Creatrix Rising, Unlocking the Power of Midlife Women. If you'd like to learn more about Stephanie, buy her books, or follow her on social media, just visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. <music>